So when we're first starting out as freelancers, we all need that one person that we can text saying, a client just said this, what do I do? Has this happened to you before? And for me, that person was and still is Scott Stransky. Scott has been my mentor my entire freelance career. He was that uh, way more experienced freelance writer that I could go to for advice and not feel completely alone. So guys, I'm Christine. I'm a freelance writer helping other freelancers harness the power of cold pitching on LinkedIn to build their full-time income to transition out of their nine to fives. Now, Scott is the founder of uh, founder and content lead of Full Funnel Content, which is a boutique content writing firm exclusively serving the B2B tech industry. He has more than a decade of experience in this space. He's an accomplished and sought after writer and marketer whose skills and services have been trusted by the leading global tech brands and innovative startups. So prior to launching Full Funnel Content, Scott was in a broad range of professional sales, client services, marketing leadership roles, and that really helped him inform his business philosophies and sharpen the skills necessary. It helped him to transform this fledgling freelance business into a successful content agency in just a few years. He's also a graduate of Eastern Michigan University and currently resides in Denver, Colorado with his wife, and rescue dog. And I just love the rescue dog part and marriage (laughs) is cool too, I guess. Um, so as a matter of fact, Scott and I have worked together other than this, you know, writing mentorship relationship. He in the past has farmed out some of his writing projects to me. And then I tried bringing him on to work with a client that I was consulting for. And guys, this was my first time consulting on content strategy. So I went from just writing to finally having the opportunity to create this content strategy and hire writers. And this particular client was an e-commerce company that needed a white paper. And my first instinct was to contact Scott because I knew he could do the job. That's his, you know, bread and butter. He's great at that. And here's the difference between a highly experienced writer and myself. After taking that first call with the client that I introduced him to, Scott knew immediately that this company was a mess and had no idea what they were doing. Me, on the other hand, I missed all of the red flags and they wound up being one of the worst clients I've ever worked for. So that was fun times, but I always laugh at that because I'm like, Scott, could read the red flags from a mile away, but I'm, you know, still learning what these red flags are when working with freelance clients. (laughs) So that's my intro for Scott. Scott, thank you so much for being here. My first question for you is just about, okay, what life circumstances would you say led you to be a full-time freelancer versus the more traditional career path? Yeah. Well, thank, first of all, thanks for, uh, for having me on. I, uh, I kind of miss our our uh, our other chats. I know we've both gotten super busy with with life and career stuff, so it's um it's always great to reconnect and you know being able to do it in this manner is uh, is even cooler because hopefully we can uh, you know we can inspire or help some of your listeners with with our conversation. So the the life circumstances that that led to me going to uh, you know this, down this full time freelance uh, career path versus you know, a more traditional one, I think is, is kind of a, a common story, right? It's um, it, it, just like you, I started out before I was a writer, I had a bunch of different jobs in sales and account management and client services and some advertising and whatnot. And 
um, you know, when I was younger, when I was just starting out, I would bounce around from job to job to job, right? Every job that I had at some point, I got to the point where I didn't like it anymore. I either hated the work or I you know, didn't like my boss or whatever the case was. And, and I would go and take another job thinking, oh, well, this is, this is it. This is, this is the job that I want. This is going to be a great fit. And then, you know, six months, nine months, a year down the road, whatever it was, turned out not to be that. And so, you know, I did a little bit of soul searching and I realized at some point that the reason I was job hopping wasn't because of the jobs. It was because of me. And, and, and when I took a sort of a, an introspective look at why my career was, you know, kind of flagging and, and going the way that it was. And I realized that I'm really just not cut out to work for other people because the things that I value in life, the, the freedom, the flexibility, the, the autonomy, um, you know, things like being able to do the work that I want to do the way that I want to do it on the schedule. I want to do it. And, and from wherever in the world I want to do it just wasn't really possible with a full-time, with a full-time traditional career path. And, and I think it really, it really came into focus and that, that argument in my head really solidified um, early on when I, when I took my computer with me on a vacation and, and I found, oh my God, I can, I can literally work from anywhere in the world as long as I have an internet connection. And that is the exact lifestyle that appealed to me that I just don't think you can generally get with a, a full-time W-2 traditional career path. A freaking men. <laughs> so I, because our, our stories are so similar in the sense of like going from job to job and like being competent workers and wanting more and wanting to achieve yet you know, getting in the situation where we're jumping from company to company and there, there used to be, I mean, it's changing now, but there used to be such a stigma about job hoppers and how many yeah. jobs you had in your resume. And it kind of creates this thing where you're like, is it like, what's wrong with me? Like, you know, our parents probably stayed in their career field for 40 years and retired and got a gold watch. And why am I like jumping from thing to thing? And it's that accountability piece of like looking inward and being like, Hey, maybe I'm not fucking cut out to be that. And that's okay. And that there's opportunities out there that still allow us to achieve and earn and our work our way up, but it doesn't look the way it looks for everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a huge part. Cause like, you know, even when I'm just talking to my parents, my, my dad's exactly the person that you just described, right? He said, since he graduated from college, whenever, you know, sometime last century, uh, a million and a half years ago. I think he's only had literally uh, a job with two different companies. That's it over like a 40 some odd year career. And then I looked at me and I was like, I had three jobs in one calendar year. Like that's, am I, am I, am I a failure? Like what, what's going on here? And uh, you know, so it's, it's fortunate. I think for me that I, I've always sort of done things my own way anyway, um, that I, I was come hell or high water. I was going to work on my own. I've always wanted, I think deep down to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I didn't know how to do it. And, and, um, at some point you just sort of rip the bandaid off, say, you know, what? screw it. I I'm just going to give it a shot. And the worst that can happen is I fail and I go back and get another job and I figure out what to do from that. 
Totally. And, and based on what you just said, you know, it's funny, I have these questions that I wanted to ask you, but um, I'm going to ask you this one, even though I didn't plan to ask you until <laughs> we're going to go out of order because it's more in line with what you just said. And you said you didn't, you know, you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you had that sense, but you didn't know how you were going to do it. And that's like such a relatable feeling. That's exactly what happened to me. And I didn't think of myself as uh, an entrepreneur or a self-employed person because I saw my friend's fathers who owned businesses growing up. That was the only example of entrepreneurship that I ever knew was like my friends whose fathers had landscaping and construction companies and I'm in Jersey. So that's really, that's like (laughs) every Italian man with his own landscaping business. So that I never thought of myself as that at all. So I didn't know where I fit. And, you know, I think that's where a lot of writers are. They don't think of themselves as like these entrepreneurs. A lot of writers are actually more introverted. So my question for you is, in your mind, what are the top mindset skills that you had to employ to be a successful freelancer? Yeah, I, I think you just hit on on the biggest one is that um, I, I think a lot of freelancers get caught up in what I would call the just cycle, where they say things like, I'm just a freelancer. I'm just a writer. I'm just one person. And, and, and the reality is that that's a really small way of thinking that's going to limit you down the road. So I think the biggest, the biggest mindset shift is, is seeing yourself as a small business owner. And, and more importantly, understanding that you are a strategic business partner to your clients. And in a lot of cases, you're a business enabler for your clients because Freelance writing, I think, is a lot more than just writing a bunch of words on a screen. There, you know, the reason that clients, that companies hire freelancers in the first place is either because they don't have the time or the manpower to do it, to do it in-house themselves, or they don't have the expertise. They know what they want to say, but they don't know how to actually say that. And, and so fortunately, I think for them, for clients, you as a freelancer can do both. And so the way that you, that you think about your business, the way that you talk about what you do, the way that you, that you describe your value proposition to a, a prospective client um, has a, a, an enormous impact on the, the relationship now and how long you can sustain it in the future. So, you know, transitioning away from this idea that I'm just this one person, because if you think of it, if you think about it that way, you're, you're basically nothing more than an order taker, right? The client says, Hey, Christine, I want, I want this blog. You say, it's gonna, you know, I want product X. And you say, well, that's going to be Y number of dollars. And, and so you agree on that, you do the work. And then as soon as it's done, you have to start that conversation all over again. And so I think, you know, looking at yourself as more of a strategic resource or a strategic business partner um, with your clients can help you break free of that particular cycle, that feast and like that conversation right there is I think what always leads to feast and famine cycles. You're just constantly starting and stopping these conversations one project at a time, instead of zooming out and understanding what your client actually is asking for and, and proactively offering more than just this one piece to them. So, you know, I I think that's the biggest issue. That's the biggest mindset shift. The second one I think is 
um, is the one that makes most people the most uncomfortable, which is adopting a sales mentality. You have to, you have to think like a salesperson and, and not necessarily like the, the used car salesperson where you're constantly pushing for something, but where you're adding value. So for example, like I get, I get a lot of clients who ask, Hey, can you write this ebook? And, and the answer is, of course I can. Um, you know, when do you want it and, and what's it about and so on and so forth. But what are you going to do with this ebook? Are you going to slap it up on your website and just hope that people find it? Or are you actually going to try to promote it? Uh, do you want to, maybe you would consider some promotional blogs or uh, an email campaign to your existing, to your ex existing contacts? What happens after somebody downloads this ebook? Do you have an email nurture series ready to go? <clears throat> do you have some case studies or a product data sheet or, you know, or something else that you can give them after they've downloaded this ebook? Or are you just going to hand them over to sales and, and have sales call them when they probably don't even, when they're probably not ready for a sales conversation. So understanding strategically how all of this content fits together with your client's broader business goals and asserting yourself as sort of the strategic partner gives you the, the upper hand in having these sales related conversations that take you beyond just this one and done uh, you know, this one and done project relationship, this transactional relationship that you have with clients and, and puts you into this, this whole other echelon of freelancers. Because I'll tell you, having sat on the other side of the desk, I've been a marketing director. I've been a marketing manager for a tech company. Uh, I've hired people left, right, you know, for all types of roles. Having been on that side of the desk, I can tell you with 100% certainty that I would love for a freelance writer to give me more value than just doing what I asked for. Because as a, as a marketer, you come into every new calendar year or every new quarter with what you think is probably the best marketing plan you've ever come up with. And I'll tell you within two to three weeks, it's shot to shit because the, the CEO has got a bug up her butt. The, you know, the sales guy has you know, some new initiative that he wants to employ. There's a new, you know, there's some big event that, um, that the events team didn't really think about that now you have to rush. So you're getting pulled in all these different directions and all of those different directions are away from the plan that you had in place. So having a freelancer who can come in and, and get me refocused on the broader plan and can actually take on all of that work for me makes my life and my job a lot easier because as we like to say in the, in the tech space, it gives me a single throat to choke. I don't have to manage five, six, eight different freelancers to get all this, all this stuff done. I can just come to Christine and say, Christine, I want these 15 things over the next three months. How much is this gonna cost? And if, if we can make it work on the budget side, I just want you to do all of that. So I think from a mindset standpoint for freelancers, um, getting out of this just cycle where you're not just a freelancer, you're not just a writer and thinking like a strategic partner and then thinking more like a salesperson is the absolute key to longevity and, and a successful career. Oh my God. So, so much good information there. And, you know, you really just pinpointed the biggest error that I see with new freelancers is that they are very focused on, am I a good writer? Am I a good enough writer? Are my writing skills? The craziest part about this career that I figured out is that 
knowing marketing and sales is actually where you should be focusing a lot of your energy and your learning curve. Because let's be real, if you want to write for a living, you most likely already know how to write. Like, I went to school for English, but you know, not a lot of people might've taken that path or whatever, but most of my time as a writer is spent fixing the way I learned how to write in, in, as an English literature major, the way they had us writing these papers and these like dissertations, this academic style of learning, it hurts me as a freelancer. I have to knock myself down and say, no, we're writing for the internet. This has to be at a seventh grade level. And thank God for AI that helps, you know, dumb (laughs) down my writing for me and smooth out my sentences and helps me talk in a conversational tone. So it's not the writing that is the issue. Every Instagram influencer with their, you know, gushing captions, these people are writers. Writers are a dime a dozen at this point. What we need is a writer that understands basic sales and marketing principles because they'll understand what the goal is. And I think, yes. and honestly, Scott, that's probably why my website, paidcopywriter.com, is probably never going to rank on Google because <laughs> you know, people are searching for um, like how to become a copywriter. And, and my content is like, here's the marketing funnel. Here's how you get on a sales call with a customer. And I don't think anyone really frames copywriting in that, in that, in those terms, right? Right. Like, you know, it's so, yeah. Oh my God. I just was nodding my head so hard as you were talking. (laughs) I mean, you, you just touched on something that I think is, is um, a huge, a huge mistake. And I know that we we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, But but what we were just talking about the, this idea of coming from like an academic writing perspective uh, and, and trying to transition into a sales and marketing writing perspective. You know, when you write things like, like customer case studies, like I do a lot of, um, you know, there's this, there's this sense where if you're, if, if it's an inexperienced marketer, they, they might look at it and say, well, this is too biased. Um, and the, it, I think that betrays the entirety of what marketing writing and what copywriting and content writing is all about. It's not supposed to be fair and balanced. It's not a news organization. It's not an academic paper. It's, it's designed to persuade. It's designed and intended to move a reader from one step of a sales process or a purchase process to the next by whatever means necessary without being deceitful. So I, I think you're 100% right that um, you know if if you're a a, a a newer freelancer and your worry is uh, is mostly about am I good enough at the writing portion to make this a career I think you're I think you're focusing on the wrong part and the question that you should be asking is can I help my clients persuade their audience to to take an action using my words, using my writing. It doesn't matter if you if you use Chicago style or APA style or footnotes and, and citations. It doesn't matter if you use, you know, incomplete sentences. I use a lot of one word sentences for, for the effect, for the dramatic effect. And, and all of it is in service of telling a story for the reader that at the end of that story, the end of that argument, I want them to take and action. So I think you've you've hit the nail on the head that understanding 
fundamentals of sales and marketing is far, far more important for a freelance writer than even being a quote unquote good writer. Totally. And that kind of segues nicely into my next question. This is kind of a two-pronged question. And me and you have spoken about this before because me and you are both writers who are interested in helping other writers succeed. So by, by virtue of having that desire, we are part of an industry of, I guess, freelance coaches or mentors mm-hmm. or online course creators, whatever this, you know, freelance mentorship industry, whatever it is. Right. Um, and we see a lot of people in this space who say kind of like cringy, like click baby things, <laughs> like six figure freelance, like, you know, six figure this, six figure that, like, I, I hate the six figure thing because oh, yeah. um, business in general is a little bit more complicated than than six figures, right? Because if you could be making eight figures, but how much are you actually taking home at the end of the day? Um, did you sacrifice your your life, family, and like sanity to get there? So it's <laughs> it's very nuanced in terms of you know what makes a successful freelancer. So I want to know from you, what is your okay? Let me start with this one. I want to know maybe if you're comfortable sharing what's some stuff that you've seen on LinkedIn or seen other influencers or seen other people do that's just cringy. And it's not about like calling people out or shaming people. I'm kind of curious because it's kind of funny. But then the second prong of that question is what is your definition of a successful freelance career? Because I just know for me personally, um, the other women who are doing what I'm doing in my space are you know, they're traveling and they're digital nomads. And Mm -hmm. part of me was like, well, I'm like, I don't do that. I just sit at a fucking desk all day and like really do what I like to do. And it's boring and it's not glamorous and I'm not in Thailand. And I'm definitely, you know, even though I love the beach and I live by the beach, you know, I don't bring my laptop to the beach with me. So it's not like what people might think it is. So I know I'm rambling here, but again, it's, what are some of those what are some of those cringy things that we see and what is your definition of a successful okay, I, I agree with you on the on the the cringy on the cringe factor the one that really just absolutely drives me nuts is this idea of like overnight success um I, I saw a post I think I don't remember how long ago it was but basically that this program promised that we would teach you how to co- how to be a copywriter in 30 days like, no, there's just, there's no way that's possible because successful freelancers, however you want to define that. And we'll talk about that in a second. You know, they, you spend years refining and learning and, and making mistakes and, and, and stuff. You can't just be replaced in 30 days. And if you are, then the client who's hiring somebody who learned to be a quote unquote, learned to be a copywriter in 30 days is going to be sorely, sorely disappointed with the, the quality of the work and, and, and you know, sort of the overall experience because of what we just talked about with this whole idea of not understanding marketing and sales and, and the real value of what copywriting is all about. I think the other ones that, the other one that really, really bothers me, and I'm gonna be careful here because I know that you, you preach um, you know, cold outreach via LinkedIn. And there is absolutely a great, you know, it's absolutely a great approach to business development, and there is absolutely a right way to do it. Then, the, of course, there's also an absolutely wrong way to do it, which is 
what I get a lot of on a daily basis is these people who, who very clearly have not looked at who I am or what I do. And they send me this blanket message that usually ends up um, with something like, hey, we, we help SaaS companies scale their business uh, 10x in, in three months. And you know, we'll, we'll get your sales team 15 or 20 guaranteed appointments every week. I'm like, I am the sales team. I don't have a SaaS company. Why the hell are you doing this? Why are you trying to sell me like this when I'm, you very clearly have no idea who I am or what I do and you're wasting my time. That I think is absolutely, just drives me insane being on LinkedIn, um, getting just bombarded with those kinds of messages day in and day out where, you know, it's sales 101. Do your damn research, man. Like, don't don't try to sell me a tractor when I live in the middle of a city. You know, don't, all that kind of stuff. The, the whole mismatch, this sort of spray and pray type approach to business development on LinkedIn becomes very, very spammy. And that's extremely cringeworthy to me. Uh, on a more positive note, though, as far as what, what I think constitutes a successful freelance career. I don't know that there is an answer. For me, I am achievement driven. And a lot of times that's money achievement, right? So I, I'll set out a goal for the year that I want to make X number of dollars in revenue. And if I hit it or exceed it, great. That was a successful year. And I want to, I want to beat it again next year. I want to up the ante. I want to you know, increase the challenge for the next year. That, that is success to me, but everybody values different things. Everybody looks at success differently. And I think because there's no such thing as a blueprint for how to do freelancing right, there's no real benchmarks for what determines whether you're a successful freelancer or not, other than what you personally value. So I'm a lot like you, where I like to travel a lot, but I, and I have a, I, I, very infrequently bring my computer to the beach. Uh, I have a kick-ass backyard that we spent a ton of time and money um, building out at our house. And it's my oasis, but I never work out there. So when I see other people who are working from the beach or they're working from these exotic locales or you know some big fancy office, that doesn't do it for me, but for them, that might be what success looks like. So you know, I, I think it's a really personal definition that's going to vary from individual to individual because not everybody values the same things in life. I have a lot of freelance friends or friends in the freelance community who, as long as they're making enough money to pay their bills, they're happy with that. But what, they're, what they define as success is having more time to spend with their family or to pick up a new, uh, new hobby or to, you know, or to travel or to do whatever it is. So, you know, I, th I think one of the mistakes that, that, that freelancers, that newer and, and, and I guess younger freelancers in, uh, in general can make is trying to compare, compare themselves to what other people are doing, because it's not necessarily an apples to apples uh, comparison. Just because I value you know, money and financial achievement as my version of success or one of the, the factors that I consider uh, a success doesn't mean that you have to, and that you should find what makes you happy, makes what's important to you, and that becomes your benchmark for, for you know, defining success. Yeah, I love that. It's it is so conditional based on like who you are as a person, and 
I do agree with you about the cringe stuff. Although I don't know if you're throwing shade to my course, 30 days to pay. (laughs) I do um, tell people they can get paid in 30 days, not necessarily scale to six figures or know how to be a great copywriter. But the reason why I named my course 30 days to paid is because that was how long it took me to land my first paying client. But to your point of not being overnight success, uh, the first client I land on LinkedIn, uh, landed on LinkedIn was a retainer client that was paying me $1,100 per month, which paid the rent on my studio at the time. And that's really what gave me like the confidence that I could actually do this. Cause I said, Oh my God, like as someone who was traditionally a W2 employee my whole life, I'm thinking I just, by sending a message on LinkedIn and cold pitching this company, Mm-hmm. found someone to pay my rent. Now, if I do this a bunch more times, then my phone bill, then my energy bill. So it just became so doable. But to your point about like the spammy nature, I'm so adamant about freelancers personalizing their messages. There, That being said, we have to send a lot of cold pitches when we're starting out brand new to get this off the yep. ground. So you can't sit there and like really research every single person, but there is like a formulaic way to personalize your outreach. And for this specific client that I'm talking to you about, where it was like my first client I ever landed in less than 30 days, one of the things that I messaged them was like, Hey, you guys are partner relationship management software. I used to be a partner manager. I used to be a channel manager for, um, you know, a tech company. And I'll I'll never forget the client, um, you know, she, she responded to me. She goes, yes, we're looking for a writer. And thank you for like writing that in your message and and showing me that you have experience in what we're doing. Like, you know, if you personalize your message and you distinguish yourself from the spam, you'd be surprised at how like grateful clients are for you reaching out to them. hundred percent. And let me, let me correct something. I misspoke when I, it wasn't 30 days to being a copywriter. It was 30 days to being a developer. Um, oh, oh, got it. <laughs> I, think, I think that's why it pissed me off so much. It was like, I'm not a developer. I work with developers. That is, are, are you really telling me that you can go from zero to developer in 30 days? Come on. But to your point about the, about the personalization and, and the difficulties of personalizing at scale, you're, you're spot on. I, my expectation as somebody receiving these, um, these invites or these messages, isn't that you're going to like, spend a half an hour or an hour digging through my entire history and then uh, you know trying to trying to get inside my head just a simple nod to the fact that you know you looked at my profile you looked at maybe my company's website to see what we do maybe it's something as simple as hey I saw that we went to the same university whatever the case is something that is more than just um, the same sending the exact same verbatim email, to every single person and, and, and just not caring that certain people are not, it's, it's not gonna be relevant. I don't want to get emails about like become a real estate developer or a you know, or, or here's some tax strategies for, for software companies. None of that applies to me. And, and I don't think it's that, that heavy of a lift to expect uh, anyone. And, and in this case, a freelancer who controls his or her own his or her own business destiny 
to do a little bit of cursory research. Take a look at my LinkedIn profile. See what I actually do. See where I went to school. Where am I located? And just use something like that to establish um, a very high level of rapport because that level of personalization, even though it doesn't seem like very much, is greatly appreciated and stands out from a, from you know the sea or the flood of non-personalized messages that, that you get on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And it's funny because a personalization, like everyone's kind of caught on to it in a sense. So I get a lot of LinkedIn messages and it pisses me off. These, <laughs> these cold pitches, they're like, I see you're an online course creator. And then the rest of the pitch has nothing to do with anything. Right. I know. <laughs> I, yeah, they, the they took the- I love your background. I love what you guys have done. Hey, do you want to develop an app? Or do you want to, do you need web development? Like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, like they, they did, <laughs> they did personalize it, but like they missed the mark somehow, which is just so funny. And and back to that example of the first client that I ever landed, um, one of the things that I did and I actually still do is I always, and this is a tip for freelancers, when I'm reaching out to become like a, a blog, you know, a blog writer for a client, I go on their website, I pick out a blog post I think is good. And I always end the cold pitch with, Hey, and by the way, I read this blog post and uh, you know, I like this blog. I basically just say, Hey, I like this blog post. And it includes like the title of the post that I actually, and listen, like, did I sit there and maybe read the entire thing and like formulate an opinion? Not necessarily, but it shows that I took the time to go on their website, see that they had a blog, click Mm -hmm. into the articles, choose one that was relevant. And that just at least tells them that I'm not sending this to every freaking person under the sun exactly exactly that that's i i think realistically that is the the level of personalization that that anybody receiving a cold email should expect that's that's about it that's the extent of it just show me that you're not sending this exact message to you know 75 other people show me that you that you you looked at my profile you looked at the website show me that you took even five minutes to know that I'm, I'm different from Christine, that we're not, we don't do exactly the same thing for exactly the same people. And and that will get my attention because I, people just want, they don't, what's the old saying that people don't care about what you know until they know about how much you care or something like that. Um, And I think just going that, that taking that extra five or 10 minutes to, to look at who they are and what they do and reference any of that, tells them signifies to them yeah this is i I know that you care at least enough to uh to make this a relevant and a personalized message instead of just you know spraying and praying and hoping that somebody hoping somebody will respond to this generic bland message that you sent out to millions of other people right and okay so this brings me to my next question what mm-hmm. would you say are the highs and the lows of being a freelancer? Mm-hmm. I always like to talk about like the ways freelancing is great and how much, you know, freedom it affords mm-hmm. you, but let's be real. There is some shitty parts of it. There is some drawbacks there. Yeah. Are some, <laughs> there. So I, I always like to keep it real with freelancers who are just starting out because everything I read when I first started freelancing was only the positive. It was like, backpack and be location independent and travel right. and then it's like 
oh, wait, I don't have health care and I have to pay how much a month and my deductible is still $8,000. Wait, I have to <laughs> do my taxes and pay them quarterly. There was a lot of like those harsh realities. So oh, yeah. in your opinion, what would you say are the highs and the lows of a freelance career? So I, I, you know, going back to our conversation about what defines success, I think also influences what the highs are. For me, the highest of highs I, I, I really love the thrill of the chase for new business. I love, I, I always hated sales because I was always selling other people's stuff. But now that I'm selling my own stuff and the stuff that I'm passionate about and that I know better than anybody, I love the thrill of the chase. I think that finding, identifying the client I want to work with, reaching out to them, having a, a sales conversation and closing that deal, getting a contract out of that is about the highest of the highs that I can have in as a freelancer. Um, the other one is when you get like super high, where you get some like really good constructive feedback or praise from uh, somebody that you haven't even worked with or somebody way up the chain. I remember when I was working at my last agency. This so obviously not as a freelancer, but when I when I was working at my last agency before stepping out uh, on my own to be a freelancer. I wrote a story for, uh, I wrote a case study um, for a very, very well-known software company. It's a global software company whose software is on everybody's computer. So it's, it's, it's a household name. And we wrote, I wrote a story about um, something Olympics related that made it all the way to the senior vice president of the organization who filtered his message down through our client and down through, uh, through my boss that this was the best story that we've ever told. And like seeing that on screen in writing, uh, like my heart skipped a beat. It's like, this is the coolest thing ever. And, and anytime I get that from clients now, like I just got a text from a client yesterday, we turned uh, a webpage around really, really quickly because they're under a lot of pressure. And, and she's, she sent me a text, which is uncommon um, saying, hey, I just want to let you know two things. Thank you for the lightning fast, ridiculously fast turnaround. And also um, our, our chief revenue officer had to sit and read through everything saying, the work is so good. I need to make sure that we do everything that we said we do. So that kind of praise is, uh, it just makes your heart flutter. It, it, it brings a smile to your face. It's the highest of the highs of the highs, I think. As far as the lows go, um, I'm, I'm with you that there's, there's a lot of unknown businessy stuff that they don't tell you in freelance school, right? Because there's no blueprint for doing this. They don't tell you, you have to, that you got to pay your, your taxes quarterly. They don't tell you, you got to do this, that, and the other thing. But I think really the lowest part for me of freelancing, um, is feeling disconnected from a community. Cause like when you have a full-time job, you know, prior to COVID before everybody was a remote worker, um, you know, you'd go into the office and you see your work friends and, um, you know, this, when you transition to freelance, there's no such thing as water cooler chat, right? You're sort of disconnected. You're out on your own. Um, so there's, so I think one of the biggest lows for a lot of people is the, the lack of social connection and personal connection on a daily basis. Cause you're just sort of out on your own, doing your own thing, um, you know, as an individual. So I think that's a, that's a really big one. The other one is, you know, sort of dovetails with that, that it, it becomes a lonely place. And when you're struggling, particularly when you're first starting out, 
it's really hard to figure out you know, who you can talk to, who you can ask, who you can bounce ideas off to, to help get some, some direction, to help forge your own path and, and put yourself on, on a path to success. So I think feeling lonely and being disconnected and not necessarily having a, a community of experts readily available to you to help you out puts you in a position where you're, you're going to fail a lot. And, uh, and it's going to feel really terrible and it might even push you to the point. Um, cause I know I've, I've been there a handful of times and I'm sure you have too. It might push you to the point where you're just like, you know what, screw this. Maybe I do just need to go back and get a job. At least, even if I hate the job, at least I know what to expect. I know what's expected of me. I know how to do it. Uh, I'm not all by myself. I'm not just trying to figure this out all on my own which is, you know, what, what a lot of freelancers tend to struggle with, I think, um, you know, throughout their careers. Totally. I, I relate to that on so many levels because first of all, in terms of your highs with the feedback from the company, you're right. Um, and, and just so everyone else knows, it is pretty rare for the most part to get that type of direct feedback. I do feel like being a oh, yeah. Answer, being a freelance copywriter specifically is a pretty thankless job. Like even the people that do pay us a lot of money to do this, they don't necessarily like jump for joy or get excited when they see the finished product the way they maybe do when, you know, they see something more visual. Um, mm-hmm. So I do feel like we get overlooked a lot or, or there, it is just like a little bit of a thankless um, job. And the only reason I even noticed that to even mention it is because when you were talking, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I remember that first time that somebody actually gave me feedback too. And I was like, holy shit, they said I was good. Like I can't right. it. <laughs> because honestly, our only feedback a lot of the times as freelancers is, are they still paying us? Did they come yeah. back another month? Do they still want me to write for them? I mean, a lot of the times that's the the number one indicator that they're happy. It's not going to be a compliment or that direct feedback that you would get as an employee. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, also what you were saying about the social connection thing, I have to say um, doing this for the, you know, for the past few years and really being, um, you know, working remotely is one thing, but when you're in a company and you have to constantly talk to your coworkers, it's different than what we do as freelancers because we don't get access to any employees. Typically we get some emails or calls from one marketing manager. Typically that lack of social interaction, um, it did kind of impact me in ways that I didn't, um, I guess, uh, anticipate. And sometimes when I go out into the world, sometimes I'm like, did I lose ability to be social? <laughs> like am I learning how to speak to humans again, because I sit here and write and, you know, I love reading and writing. So it feels very comfortable to me. But then once I'm out in the world, I'm like, shit, I don't really talk to that many people anymore. So I, yeah, it can get isolating. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting for me is that I'm, I'm an extrovert. Uh, but I'm an extrovert who has chosen purposefully to go work independently and work remotely. So I, I always have to find new ways outside of work to, to connect with people and sort of you know, just create my own social opportunities. You know, so it might be going out to a brewery or to, to a distillery or to a networking event when those are, you know, when those are a thing. Um, sometimes it's just going up to the park and, and, 
you know, playing with somebody else's dog as they walk by. It just, you know, you just look for these like little micro interactions uh, for somebody with my personality who likes to talk to people. Uh, because as a freelancer, you just, you're right. You just don't get to do that very frequently if, you're, if your face is buried in the keyboard. Um, so it's important that if, if, that's, if that's you, um, that you're keeping in the back of your mind, at least you know, how might I create either artificially or organically, how might I create some social activity or social interaction opportunities for myself so I don't go crazy, so I don't lose the ability to have a, a normal human conversation when I have the opportunity to have one. Yeah, and, and that kind of brings me to my next uh, question, which is talking about ways that you have deviated from the freelance, you know, the, the, the cut and dry freelance writing path, right? Because a lot of what me and you talk about, Scott, has turned more into like other entrepreneurial ventures beyond writing. And I want to talk about that because a lot of my audience is people that are just getting their feet off the ground. However, uh, the writers that are going to become successful freelancers, the next thing that they're going to wonder is, okay, I've got this down. What's next? What else can I right. do? Not everyone. Some people are, like you said, are very content with like, hey, if I'm paying my bills and I can have free time, blah, 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 that's great. And to be honest, I was in that position too. I had so much free time. And like once I was paying my, like people don't realize how much free time they're going to have once they're full-time freelancing. And, oh, yeah. and a lot of people are going to say, well, I could be, you know, doing this and doing something a little bit different. So talk to me about things that you're doing, like if you're comfortable sharing your app, your other entrepreneurial yeah. ventures, and then I don't know, just, just give other freelancers some inspiration about cool things that they can do to generate multiple streams of income beyond writing. Yeah. Let's, let's start there actually. And then I'll get into, into some of the things that I'm doing. Cause uh, this actually is part of what I'm doing as well. But um, a lot of freelancers, after they get a lot of experience with these clients, they, there's the way to start packaging that knowledge um, that you can sell to clients directly without having to actually do the work. So a lot of it is like program development or um, you know some, some sort of internal training that you can develop for them. What I'm working on right now uh, is a, a new customer reference or a customer advocacy product. So like when I got my start as a, as a, as a professional writer, I was writing case studies for you know, companies like Adobe and Cisco and, and a handful of other really high profile companies. And I, I got really, really good at, at writing case studies. And I got you know, into the sort of customer advocacy uh, realm and space and made a lot of friends in that industry. And, and the more I understood what goes into um, customer testimonial marketing or customer references and customer advocacy, I saw all these companies building out entire programs. So one of the things that I'm working on, it's still writing oriented, but is packaging up the entirety of a customer advocacy ask into a single product. So rather than uh, a client coming and saying, hey, can you do this interview and, and write a case study? It would be, hey, let's do these two interviews and turn it into 15 different assets that all for one price that we can create a, a, a 360 degree perspective of your customers. So things like that are, are the next step, I think, uh, for a lot of writers beyond just writing, um, you know, just writing copy for product or project X and then moving on to the next one. 
on to the next one. There's a, a bigger strategic play. Um, but for me personally, I actually wanted to get out of um, the day-to-day writing and, and emphasize and focus on, on sort of translating what I've learned over time to help other freelancers avoid the mistakes that I've made to make their lives easier. So um, I do that through private business coaching with freelancers, sort of just a generalized, hey, what do you want to talk about? But I'm also in the process of, of developing and, and I should be launching very soon the Tech Marketers Sales Accelerator. It's a sales program designed specifically for B2B tech writers to show them how to choose better clients who will give them more work over longer periods of time for a lot more money. Because it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with understanding sales and marketing. At at my core, I'm a sales guy. I was a sales guy before I was a writer. And I, I recognize a deficiency in the freelance writing space that most freelancers don't have a formal sales background. They don't have sales training. They, most of them just really aren't comfortable selling at all. So um, I looked for an opportunity to build a program that could teach people this, what I think is an essential skill that'll make them more successful in their long-term, in their long-term career. And I think a lot of freelancers, as they get into their careers a little bit more deeply, they'll start to uncover some of this quote unquote white space, some of these these gaps in the general community's skill that they specifically can help fulfill. Um, beyond that, um, you know, I, I've got it in my head this this entire sequence of what will make a freelance a freelancer more successful. So it starts with learning how to sell and choosing your clients and closing them and all of that. But once they've got these new clients in the door, how do you work more efficiently and more effectively? Which is why um, I've developed an app called MyCopy, M-Y-K-O-P-P-Y, which is a guided writing app for marketing writers. Basically, it's a a templates-based app that gives a writer step-by-step, like literally paragraph by paragraph or section by section, instructions on what specifically to write for common marketing assets like ebooks and white papers and case studies and thought leadership blogs or promotional blogs, data sheets, all these other things that are commonly requested of uh, from, a, from a marketing team and walking a writer through step-by-step how, how to write it, what to write with pro tips based on my experience and then some examples that they can refer to to see what it should look like. So it's a, it's a really good opportunity for, uh, for experienced writers to use it to gain some efficiency so you can start writing uh, a little bit faster and more efficiently so you can make more money per hour if that's how you measure your productivity. But it's also a great opportunity for a great option, I think, for, uh, for newer freelancers to start expanding their skills um, right. Like we belong to a, a couple of freelance groups on Facebook, you and me, and the number of posts that I see coming from these experienced freelancers, of, Hey, my client just asked me to write an ebook and I've never written one before, or I've, I just signed on for my first case study. What do I do? So this app would be, uh, really helpful. I think for, for freelancers to start expanding their skill set so they can start offering more services uh, you know, a, a broader array of services to their clients and, and deliver a lot more value short-term and long-term. So both of those are still in development. The, the app is uh, ready for beta testing. Uh, again, it's my copy, M-Y-K-O-P-P-Y. Uh, 
it's still under development, but, but the beta is going to start um, in very early January. Um, so visit mycopy.com for more information and to sign up. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's my little spiel. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to put all of that information in the show notes because I know that if these writers are listening and they're anything like me, everything you're saying is stuff that I need help with. I <laughs> need help with learning how to better manage my time and get these, especially with those new projects. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, especially, okay, so like I struggle with a lot of what you're talking about, right? So the people that I speak to predominantly are just getting into the freelance game. But once you get a full-time income going, exactly what you're offering is the typical issue, right? It's like, okay, I got them to pay me for this, but Mm -hmm. how can I get them to give me more work, different types of work? And how can we structure this so that you know, I can have some stability in my income so I could be getting more money from one client versus having to go out and get new business. And especially, and that's really where the templates and the app come into play because a lot of times as freelancers, we want more work, but then the moment they're like, well, yeah, we kind of need an ebook. And you're like, oh shit, I've never written an ebook right. before. <laughs> I don't want to say that to them. And one of the things that I, I'm going to post this on Instagram. It's like, I have this saying, it's, it's not about fake it till you make it in freelancing. It's about learning as you go. It's about mm-hmm. saying yes to things that you don't necessarily know how to do, but you're going to Google the shit out of it. And, and you're going to call up a Scott Stransky if you have one <laughs> and say, this is what they want. How can I do this? And you have to have like a little bit of courage to do that because you risk looking like a fool. Yeah. Yeah, you, you absolutely do. I mean, I, I think that's a really important point, though, and and this is particularly relevant for for writers just starting out. Is that there is no right way to freelance. There's no blueprint for doing this, right? I've got a marketing background. I went to university for marketing, and when you get into your major, and same thing in English and any other major, right? You you go through your your foundational courses, and then once you're in your major, they have a very defined learning path that you're going to follow that ultimately should put you in a position where you can get a job doing the type of work that you do, right? So for me, as a marketer, you you start with marketing fundamentals, then you get into marketing research and consumer behavior and all this other stuff. And when you're done, you are quote unquote a marketer and you theoretically should be able to go out and get a job as a marketing strategist or a marketing content, whatever. There's no freelance university. There's no blueprint for doing it right. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things that a couple of years down the road, you're going to look back and go, what the fuck was I thinking? This is the dumbest thing I think I've ever done. And that's okay. That's how this works. So you're right. It's not a matter of fake it till you make it. It's a matter of, uh, it's kind of like the software world where, um, you know, what's the, what's the saying? Break things quickly. Fail fast. Right? It's kind of the same. It's kind of the same principle here. Fail fast. Take risks. Learn from those mistakes. Learn from those failures to figure out, first of all, is this something that you want to try again, what you just failed at? Or was it a a, a test and you figured out, you know what, even if I could make that work, I don't want to. So learning as you go, I think, is the exact right way to, to frame the entire experience 
as a freelance writer, there is no prescription for being successful. It's the, the whole point of being a freelancer is doing things your way. And if you happen to have some friends or make some, some contacts who can, who can give you some guidance along the way, then you're going to be in a much better position to succeed and achieve what your version of success looks like long term. Yeah, it really is the wild, wild west out there when it comes to freelance copywriting. And that's why I'm so grateful for people like you. And that's why I'm motivated to do this in the first place, right? And I know that's why you're Mm -hmm. motivated to do this in the first place is just, hey, we know it's the wild, wild west and we've done some stuff. So here's some (laughs) information and this is, you know, the best way we know how to do it. And we hope this information helps, you know, you guys out there. So Scott, thank you so much for joining me. You are a wealth of information. You are so generous with the help that you give people like me who, you know, are not as experienced as you. And I just hope this conversation spreads far and wide and can inspire some writers to go out there and do it. I hope so as well. I want to thank you for inviting me to do this. I, it's always great to talk to you. Uh, I miss our chats, so we need to uh, pick those back up, I think, when we have a little bit of downtime. But uh, I think more importantly to what you just said, this what you're doing, I think, is um, exceedingly valuable in, in this market. It is so very difficult to get start to start from nothing to get to that first paid engagement. And there's not a lot of good information out there for, for people to, to learn step-by-step step how to do it. So um, if I were just starting out, I would, be, I would be very thankful for you putting this together. And, uh, and I really hope that, that whoever is listening to this takes, uh, takes your advice to heart and, and really makes a go of it using, uh, using your strategies and your advice. And then you know, who knows, maybe a couple of years down the road, you will be their, their version of me to you. Uh, I, I think what you're doing is awesome. And I'm really excited to, to see it and all of your, uh, all of your students succeed um, now and, and over the next several months and years, hopefully. Thank you so much, Scott. And guys, check the show notes to check out where you can actually go follow Scott's work, stay in the loop about his app that is going to be so, so freaking helpful for your writing process um, to get some mentorship from him. That'll all be in the show notes. So be sure to follow him. And thanks, Scott. Have a great day. You too. Have a great day. Talk soon. Bye.